0: Welcome to My Limited View with me, Sergio Novoa, where we share stories and expand our views. We all, all we have, have a story. What's, What's, yours? What's yours? Welcome back to My Limited View. I don't have a special guest today. I will be doing this episode all by myself. And I wanted to talk about the word trauma. When you look in the dictionary, one of the definitions of the word trauma is an experience that produces psychological injury or harm. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. If you've listened to any of the episodes, you have heard the journey I've gone through from the abuse I endured as a child through my grandmother, my absent mother, and when she was available, the physical emotional abuse and my absent father who I don't have any negative memories of. I met him as an adult. And by then, all the trauma that had been caused had already happened. So he is free of this. Um, And what I came to realize, and it took me a while to do this, is if I ignore the trauma, if I say to myself, oh, Sergio, that happened when you were five years old. Let it go. That's really not addressing the trauma. And through all the things I've done to better understand my behavior, And my reaction to the world around me, I realized I needed to sit down and really look at the trauma I experienced and see it for what it was. As an adult, I can easily rationalize, oh, yeah, that that wasn't right. And I can give it logic that at the age of five, I did not have the emotional maturity or the understanding of what was going on. That noise you hear in the background are the three puppies I'm fostering. I've been trying to record this for a while now, and it's just every now and then you might hear a little bark. Um, And the biggest thing that I realized with trauma is that unprocessed behavior leads to us duplicating that behavior. And when I had that realization, it was a big aha moment for me because as much as I tried to suppress what's happened in the past, as I tried to let it go, I really wasn't doing the work needed to really be in that space of understanding what really happened to me, how that impacted how I saw the world, how it impacted how I presented myself to the world. And since I was not aware of that, my my presentation in my taking in of the world it led to me doing behavior that was shameful um or just plain bad behavior and when i started to link oh me having experienced this at that young age has led to me behaving in this particular way as an adult it's a lot to try and understand as you know if again if you've listened to any of the episodes I'm a big fan of therapy. Therapy has been wonderful for me. It's helped me at the very least, it's helped me to express how I'm feeling. And if that's the only thing you get out of therapy, at least you have the words to use to say, "Hey, I feel this particular way." Um but when I started to think, you know, I was about 6, 7 years old, maybe 8 max when a cousin of mine tried to molest me. And we lived in Southgate in Southern California. And after school, I would walk home because I had very responsible parents and they would let me walk home at the age of seven or eight from school. And no one was home. So I went to my aunt's house who lived three houses down from where we were. And when I got there, my cousin was there who was 10 years older than me. And as a child, maybe a surprise to any of you, I was quite the talker. And I would repeat commercials all the time. Did I have an idea what I was saying? No, because I didn't speak English. English was my second language. And at that time, I still didn't have an understanding of the English language. So I remember I get there. No one's there but him. So he lets me in. He's like, oh, you could just wait here for your mom or just for anyone to get home. And the Flintstones were playing. So I start singing the jingle. And he grabs me and he puts me on his lap and he says, you don't even know what you're saying. And I said, yes, I do. I know what I'm saying. And somehow he takes my pants off. I don't even know how we got to that point. And he starts touching my privates. Obviously, at, the, at that age, I had no concept yet of sex, no concept of arousal or any of those things so as he starts touching it well woody decides to stand up and he grabs me and says you know if you do this and he starts stroking me he goes if you do this it's going to get bigger um again at the age at that age i had no concept of what bigger means when it comes down to your penis and then he takes off his pants and he says do it on me and i remember kind of freezing And I didn't have the words to know that it was wrong, but something in me was letting me know that something was off. So then he then picks me up and he takes me to his bedroom and he continues to touch me. And then I froze. And here is something that I can definitely link to that specific moment. As an adult now, if I'm put in a very uncomfortable spot I freeze up and I find it so frustrating because I am now a full-grown man and that traumatic experience has still stayed with me where men will put me in really uncomfortable situations where they express their sexual desires for some reason men think I totally want to hear these things and I And when I say cornered, I'm not talking indefensively. I'm talking like I'm at a bar, a guy hits on me, and all of a sudden, he's like, I want to do brr," and I'm like, whoa, and I kind of freeze up. And as I link it back, the first time I froze up was at this particular moment when he took me to his bedroom. And he takes off my clothes, and he says, I want you to, we're going to pretend you're a car, and I'm the gas, and I'm going to put gas in you. And he tried to bend me over. Um, now, as I think about this, the body that I had, and I was a tiny kid, I mean, if you've met me in person, I'm not that tall. So at the age of seven or eight, I was tiny just to think of the physical damage that that would have done to my body. And then he tried to insert his penis in me and I kept getting up. I meaning he would bend me over and I would stand up and then luckily through a miracle the universe god whatever you want to call it someone pulled up right at that moment he pulled my pants up right away and he said don't say anything to anyone <clears throat> and of course i didn't leave my body it stayed with me and i remember being a little boy and kind of touching myself and my privates and thinking oh if i do this it's going to get bigger not really grasping at the moment that that would even mean anything To me because at that age it didn't mean anything but when i started to think about this i realized this was my exposure to sex the first time i had any kind of sexual contact with another being was this and with that i walked away feeling shame i couldn't tell you why i felt shame back then but i felt shame i felt embarrassed and I also felt that I did something wrong. And I hear all these stories of sexual, pre, um, sexual victims, who survivors, and they all say that they feel like it was their fault. And the adult Sergio looks and says, God, no, it wasn't your fault, you were a kid. But I look back at that time and that's exactly how I felt. <clears throat> and at the time, I didn't know of anyone who had been sexually molested or assaulted to know that shame was one of the things that they felt or that they felt it was their fault. But that's what the seven-year-old, eight-year-old Sergio walked away with. And now that I'm looking back, I thought, you know, when I first came out the closet, having been raised Catholic and being raised to know and think that gay people were bad, I had a very difficult time enjoying sex as an adult. And it was a very one sided sex. There were things I didn't feel comfortable doing. For example, performing oral sex on a man, because I, there was a, I had a mental block. And I didn't realize this until my first serious relationship. And, you know, God bless this man for even entertaining the thought of dating a 23 year old Sergio. But as I was leaving that relationship, I realized why do I have a difficult time? performing oral sex on a person that I love. Me wanting to please this person should be something that I naturally want and should want in any relationship that I have that's a romantic relationship. And that's when I started going to therapy. Actually, no, I started going to therapy at 19 when I was still wetting my bed. That's a different episode. Um, But it was also a result of trauma, and I was punishing myself through wetting my bed So now that I'm older and I can look back, I've realized that every trauma, every traumatic experience I have had that I have neglected to address. And even though I am marching forward and I'm smiling and I'm healthy and I'm going to the gym and whatever else I can add on to make this function, i realized the importance of going back and really processing the trauma that I experienced. And one of the my first recollections of something that was traumatic that made me feel less than and ashamed and embarrassed and guilty was when my cousin tried to molest me. A few months later, somebody else, another friend, family friend, tried to molest me. And I was sleeping on the floor because there were four children in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, so I was sleeping on the floor. And I would suck my thumb as a child and... That was my coping mechanism, I guess, which gave me an overbite. And it's working wonderfully for my face. So it all worked out okay. And my mom had put me in Little League, which was a disaster. At that point, I had no idea I had any athleticism. I was lying on the floor. And this family friend came to where I was sleeping, pulled down his pants, and he put his genitalia in front of my face. And he was trying to wake me up. And he would say, hey, uh, he would try to put his penis in my mouth. And I just pretended to be asleep. Here's another moment where I froze. I froze, but something in me said, just pretend you're sleeping, Sergio. And at the time, they had raffle tickets uh, with our little league, and they wanted us, obviously, to sell them. I didn't know back then I would be a good salesman. And he says to me, oh, I'll buy all your raffle tickets. Just pretend you're sucking your thumb. And he this went on. You know, at the time, it felt like eternity. I couldn't tell you exactly how long it was. But he was there for quite a while. Uh, and literally, like, I could feel his pubic hair on my nose. I can feel him trying to, like, put his penis in my mouth. And I just pretended to be asleep. I just, he would move my shoulder. And I would, like, move and fidget, but always pretend to be asleep. And I, and I didn't realize back then the trauma that that caused me and you know fast forward to me being gay and coming out the associations I had with sex were negative were of men wanting to take advantage of me as a child and it impacted my romantic relationships when I should have felt comfortable wanting to do a particular act I didn't feel comfortable I felt shame And I felt less than a man if I wanted to perform that kind of act, this specific case, oral sex. But the list was lengthy of all the things I wouldn't do. Um, And as I started going to therapy and I started to understand a little bit more, I I really realized it is so important for all of us. And I'm not going to say it's easy. You know, I've visited this chapter many times before and I am reminded sometimes that there are still things i i need to process in this specific incident and how that shaped my male to male relationships especially ones that are physical um ones that require intimacy i had a very difficult time being intimate i was full of love and i wanted to share this love and i was outwardly expressive with my love with flowers and candies and cards and gestures but the physical act, the intimacy, the vulnerability that came with having sex with someone I loved or not even someone I loved, someone that I was just physically turned on by was very difficult for me. And now that I'm looking back, I'm trying to figure out how I can shed this. And then it also made me think of how many people I encounter in the world and I see their behavior and I think, huh, I wonder why they behave that way, which by the way, it's Great thing about getting older is that I can have that thought. In the past, I would have just chopped you off at the ankles and been gone. So, if you're listening to this and if you've listened to any of our episodes and you've enjoyed what we've talked about, my reason for wanting to do the podcast was to take a look into someone's life and expand the view that we have, whether it's someone's religious views, sexual orientation how they overcame abuse, how they overcame trauma, and ways that hopefully through storytelling, you're inspired, but at the same time holds up a mirror for you, for you to look at the trauma that you've experienced. And the first thing I had to come to the conclusion was that it wasn't my fault. And I know we all hear this and we all say this all the time, but most of us are not doing it. Because if we were really acknowledging that, our behavior, our contribution to the world would be better than what it is. And I know we can only do the best we can with what we know at the time. And hopefully, through listening to this story or other stories I've shared, you know better and can hopefully do better. But I wanted to talk about this because I realized how it was limiting my interaction in the world the trauma that i had from that experience shaped how i viewed men how i viewed intimacy with men and it made it very difficult you know i was not an easy person to deal with i mean some would say i'm not an easy person to deal with now so let's not get ahead of ourselves but all i can ask you is that you take the time and You know, there are some things that we can do ourselves. You know, I could, you know, I can clean my house. I don't need a cleaning lady. One sounds amazing, but I can clean my own apartment. But when it comes to professional help like this, talking to friends is wonderful. At the very least, get it off your chest, but really talking to someone who knows how to take what you're saying and give you feedback that can actually help you get better and get past this. Because this was cute when I was 23, not so cute now as I'm getting older the one positive thing that's come out of all of this it has made me look at my childhood and my past experiences and I've realized because of that trauma I created more trauma and I created scars and pain that maybe I would have not created had I a never experienced what I experienced or B Really addressed it and had someone around me to really help me process and understand what happened to me. And again, yours doesn't have to be a sexual act, it could be neglect, it could be that your parents were not around. And the thing about trauma that I find tricky when I discuss this with people is that just because your sibling was able to handle your mom or your dad not being around or was able to handle the physical abuse and came out okay, and I'm saying okay in quotes, through that experience, it doesn't mean that you are going to have the same reaction. It doesn't mean that you are going to be capable of handling that, that trauma and walk away uns, unscarred. Like You have to be kind with yourself when it comes to trauma. Just because your sister handled it, doesn't mean that you needed to and that you are wrong because you were not able to we all have a different reaction uh and again it doesn't have to be sexual it could be the fact that your parents were not around it could be the fact that you were left alone it could be the fact that you felt poor compared to your friends it doesn't matter it's so many things that could make us feel less than and what we don't do we don't stop to realize me feeling inadequate at school Because I didn't have the right shoes, or because I was getting the free lunch, or because when, you know, mom, parent day, and my parents never came to school, all those things are gonna impact us. And maybe, you know, the word trauma doesn't have to be something devastating that really, you know, a sexual assault. It could also be you feeling less than that was a traumatic experience for you. And me having to realize this, it made me look back at, How many other times was trauma caused because of this initial trauma? So one of the things we need to do is almost take inventory of what's happened to us and determine from there what could have caused trauma. For example, an unexpected event, an accident, injury, violent attack, that can cause trauma. Or a natural disaster. I remember the first time I experienced an earthquake. I was blown away by that. I was like, what? And I had just moved down on my own. So it it had an, an additional layer. Domestic violence, which is something I witnessed from a very young age. Physical abuse, bullying, and childhood neglect. I mean, one of my huge triggers was abandonment. And also just a constant and continuous threat you know whether you live in a bad neighborhood and obviously you can't change that as a child but to pretend that it's normal and that it didn't cause any kind of trauma that's not accurate as well also if you go for kind of some kind of surgery um, any sudden death in the family relationships that may have gone south and whatever deep emotional investment you made that can be uh, traumatizing, Uh, humiliating, or having a very disappointing experience, all these things cause trauma. And when you're a child, it's a little difficult for us to rationalize and recognize that it's trauma. But for children, you know, sexual, physical, emotional abuse, domestic violence, again, uh, medical procedures that are intrusive, uh, stuff like that, serious illness, again, neglect shows up a lot. So once you start to figure out these things and you start to recognize, oh, wow, here are some traumatic experiences I had. So this is really what I did. And then I started to write down, okay, I remember witnessing my uncle physically beating his sister up when when he would get drunk. I remember seeing my mom physically not only experiencing the physical abuse, but also seeing it when she did it to my younger sister's. Then I had to sit down and really look and say, okay, since all those things happened, how are they showing up now? And for me, the way we're showing up more than anything was anger. I was angry. I was angry at the fact that these things happened. I was angry at the fact that I couldn't control it. I was angry at the fact that I couldn't defend myself. And again, looking back now, how could I, how could I have possibly been angry At the seven-year-old Sergio he had no concept but I had to come to terms with that and recognize that oh this is one of the byproducts of this trauma Uh, anxiety fear uh, abandonment which was huge for me Um, and feeling a sense of guilt whenever something happened that I felt I was responsible for or shame or I would blame myself I would blame myself for when things went wrong I was like oh it's probably something I did, which led to me isolating myself. I wasn't showing up to things because, one, I wasn't showing up physically, but even if I was there physically, I was so much in my head that I really wasn't showing up and kind of a, a sense of hopelessness. So I started to see, OK, these experiences have impacted me this way, and this is how I was showing up. And then I had to realize, you know, I have to heal from this. So I started going to therapy. I have done hypnotherapy. And I'm kind of the, you know, pick yourself up from your bootstraps type of guy. And again, just because I have this ability doesn't mean that somebody else will be able to. But one of the things that was very helpful for me is I decided to do martial arts. And I had no idea at the age of 16 how much that would impact my life. And how it would provide confidence, determination, perseverance, and just athleticism. I had no idea I was athletic, because when I did that whole little league, little, le- uh, little league uh, thing, that was not, <laughs> that did not help me. Uh, I was too young, maybe, to recognize that. And when I did martial arts at sixteen, I, you know, I was a little older, but through martial arts and just physically moving my body was very helpful for me. Fast forward, I ended up becoming a trainer, helping a bunch of clients through physical movement. And again, whether you go to the gym because you want to lose weight or you go to the gym because you just want to look hot, those things are all fine. You still need the same dedication to get the outcome you want. You have to show up and you have to try hard. So you don't have to join martial arts. You could join a dance class or you could just go to the gym. Just be moving, be physically active. The other thing, and this is something that I struggled with a lot, and now here I go talk to people about it on a podcast, is I thought I could do it all on my own. And the reality is it does not work that way. You have to connect with others. Whether you just tell a friend, tell a sibling, you have to get comfortable giving words to the trauma you experienced. And you realize through that experience, and again, this is why I launched the podcast, by simply sharing the stories, you realize you're not alone. And I would tell myself constantly, I got this. I don't need anyone. I can do this on my own. Well, you know what? That's what the universe gave me. It left me alone because that's what I was putting out. And in therapy, I remember my therapist said to me, We were talking about how a company I used to work for shut down, and a lot of us were laid off. Fast forward, I run into this woman I used to work with, and she said, oh my God, how are you doing? And we're chatting, and then she asked me what I was doing for work, and I told her, and she said, oh, I knew you'd land on your feet. And I thought, what an interesting way to look at it. One, I am grateful that you see me as a competent able-bodied person that would land on his feet. That doesn't mean I don't get lonely, I don't get sad, I don't get hurt. And my therapist said to me, well, how are they supposed to know when you never let them know? How is someone supposed to show up for you when you never let them know you need them or you want them to show up? And that was a huge moment for me. I was like, oh, that's right. For years I've been telling myself that I'm fine on my own and I don't need anyone Well, guess what? No one is showing up. So that was, again, a huge moment. And ultimately, you have to ask for support. You have to, in addition to sharing it, but you also have to talk to someone who has the tools that can guide you on how to overcome your trauma and how you're never going to get rid of it, but it can weigh less. And, you know, something that we've all heard, what's better than receiving, giving, and I'm talking about volunteering here, so, every time I have helped, whether it's fostering dogs, working with the homeless organization, going to the food bank and helping sort food and pack food, anytime you can do anything that helps someone else, it is amazing how rewarding it is for you. So, these are the things that I kind of wanted to talk about as far as what I experienced and what I have been kind of dealing with. And again, I am not a trained professional. I basically shared with you my journey and how my traumas were impacting me. More importantly, were limiting me as an adult. Because if I really want to be in a relationship and be in love with someone, I have to be vulnerable. I have to open up. I have to take that person in. And I have to have the ability to understand where, uh, where they are coming from. That is not easy to do when you're in your head and you have trauma. So, the pandemic was hopefully an opportunity for a lot of us to sit back and really reevaluate our lives and what we want to do, not just for our job, but just in general. And one of the things that I discovered and the pandemic allowed me to do is a lot of times, since I was so hungry for love from you know, not having my family around. And then when they were around, that being available, I can look back and say, oh, wow, the 20-year-old Sergio was so desperate for love. He wanted to find love. And I think I was more in love with the idea of love than actually loving the individuals. Now, that being said, at that time, that was my version of love and I can safely say that I did love each individual person. But now that I look back, and if I peel this onion, I realize, oh, you are just really hungry for love, and you took whatever love you can get. I don't believe that we date the wrong person. I honestly feel we date people that can help us get to that next step. Uh, my best friend Robert his issues were completely different from mine. And I would look at him and be in awe on how he managed certain romantic situations. And I thought, wow, how does he do that? I needed to experience all the things I experienced in my 20s to realize that, oh, you are so desperate for love because you didn't get it from your family, that you are attracting people that are gonna show you that the love you need is already inside. And you don't need it from a different person, from another person. Took a while for me to learn that lesson, I have to admit. Um, That being said, I have been very lucky in love. I have dated amazing people who loved me wholeheartedly and who I loved. Now that I look back, my foundation for love is completely different now than it was then. And every time I have fallen in love, I feel that the love has been more grounded, and on a much more solid foundation because of all this work. And another thing that I think people sometimes forget, you know, it's not like going to the gym when you learn a bicep curl and you're like, oh, okay, I got it, I know how to do a bicep curl. When you're trying to heal trauma, it's, it's not a one-time thing. And as you fix certain parts of your trauma, that opens up other areas that maybe you were not ready to address we've all heard the cliche when the students ready the teacher appears that is definitely true when you start healing your t- trauma because as you get better you're operating on a much more conscious level and the things you encounter are different and you're not caught up with the the other stuff that me you know i remember the song strong um stronger by christina aguilera I would hear that song and the rage I had, the anger I had towards all the abuse I endured was, you know, I could feel it and I've heard the song recently and I feel like, wow, that anger's gone. I'm not saying it's completely gone, you know, when people do things to me that that hurt my feelings or that are not kind to me, I make note of that and I'm like, oh, got it and I catch my reaction which is a huge improvement because in the past I just reacted and now I catch it. I'm like, Oh, okay, wait a minute. You're being triggered, Sergio. Oh, there's that word everyone overuses. Um, but when it comes to trigger, I honestly feel the word trigger basically means you have not processed your trauma. Therefore you're being triggered because I can now hear that song and I no longer have the rage I had when I heard the song the first time. Um, there's another song in that album, Drift. I mean, you would think this was a Christina promotional CD event. She has a song titled I'm Okay. And the lyrics say, "Bruce is fade father, but the pain remains the same." When I heard that song and I remember the physical abuse I endured from my mom and my grandmother, it hit me like like someone just punched me. And again, this was years ago, but As I'm looking back, I realize how much it limited me, how much it prevented me from being in the world. And this year I did my final, we can say, pull the bandage off. I spoke to one of my aunts who had not spoken to in a while, who caused me a lot of physical, emotional pain. And we got on the phone unexpectedly and we were talking about something. And at one point, I said, you know, I've had to do a lot of work to overcome my childhood. I am grateful to your care and looking out for me because that was not your responsibility. But you guys also caused a lot of pain. And I said it, I wasn't coming from anger. I wasn't trying to blame. I was just stating it. And she said, oh, that was long ago. Forget it. And that There we go again. Triggered me. And I thought, you know what? You're not going to get away with it that easily. And I said, no, it wasn't a long ago because I live it every day. And I reminded her when I was six years old, she would tell me I was a dog and that I should die. And I said to her, who says that to a six to a six year old? And she stayed quiet. I said, you would hit me with a broomstick. I would have bruises on my forearms and my legs. You would tell me my mom abandoned me because I was a dog. I said, do you understand the amount of work I've had to do to get rid of those words? And, you know, she was silent. I also did take an opportunity to address the abuse that she endured from her mom. And her mom was f- awful. Physically, emotionally abusive toward her daughter. I don't even talk that way to my dogs. And I didn't want it to sit there and say, look what you did. And because of you, no, it wasn't about that. It was about me finally facing a person who caused me so much pain and caused me to doubt myself. But in that process, also recognize and bring it up to her. I know you did not have it easy. I know the abuse you endured from your mom was not easy for you. And for that, I am sorry. And I hope that the time you have left, that you will do whatever it is you want because you were robbed of that experience. And after that conversation was done, I once again felt like a load was taken off my shoulders. I have no anger towards her or any of my family members. I've sat down and understood where they were coming from. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. When you don't check your trauma, you end up repeating it and you inflict it on other people. And that ripple effect is huge. So if you are listening to this, don't be afraid to look in the mirror. Don't be afraid to recognize that when your parents did whatever it is they did, how impacted you negatively and own that heal from that. So you don't pass it on to your children. If you have, especially if you have children, you should be doing this work. You don't need to blame them. You just need to see where they are and recognize how flawed they are. You know, children don't have the emotional maturity to understand where the parent is and the struggles they're in, they're dealing with. And parents forget what it's like to be a child, how we get hurt easily, how we are vulnerable. And the one thing that I learned through therapy is that a job of a parent is to love and protect their children. And what the byproduct of that is that the child learns that they are lovable by simply being. They just have to be. And when my therapist said this to me, he said, you are lovable. I sat with those words for weeks. I am lovable. I am lovable. But it was like a question. It was like, Am I? Am I lovable? And it took a while for me to get to that point of like, yes, you are lovable. Unfortunately, that building block, that essential building block you get from your parents, I was lacking. But now I have the empathy to look at my mom and look at my relatives who caused me pain and say, oh, they were not playing with the full deck and they never dealt with their trauma and this is how I was showing up. So I have to, The buck has to stop with me. Um, So yes, this is what I wanted to talk about. I hope it inspired you to look inward. And when you do, remember to be kind. Don't hold anything in. Whatever you're feeling, whatever hurt, emotional trauma, physical trauma, feeling less than, feeling inferior, feeling lonely, bring it up. Talk about it know what that feeling is and then your body you will be amazed how your body your subconscious will take you where you need to go so you can heal so yes there it is um i shared a lot you know a lot about me now uh so thank you for listening and if you think this will be helpful to anyone by all means go ahead and share it i'd really appreciate it and we will chat soon Uh, until then i hope you are expanding your view all right bye we We all have a story what's What's yours? yours what's yours